0: Okay, wow! I hope I can hold everything that I need here. I don't have. I I gave I gave some questions to somebody this morning, and they said they already had them in their mind. So I said, "Well, take this paper anyway as a contingency, in case you forget your questions." <laughs> anyway, Joel, um, this is Joel Smith, Doctor Joel Smith. How do you like us to call you?
1: Uh, my mother called me Joel. That's good. She
0: called you Joel. That's yeah. good. Okay. So, Joel or Pastor Joel, is that okay? (laughs) He said
1: the fifth one came out. That's Joel. Let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Can we move on? No more of these. So,
0: you were born.
1: Yes, I was born into this world. Where were you born? I was born in Lewistown, Pennsylvania.
0: That's in Pennsylvania. Yeah,
1: so it's about 70 miles northwest of here, up towards State College, but very different from State College.
0: Have you lived in other places in the world since then?
1: Yeah, um, we've lived in Long Island. My wife's from Eastern Long Island. So she's from there. Eastern Long Island? Yeah. A yeah. New Yorker? Yeah, she's a New Yorker. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Yes,
0: welcome to New York. Where is she?
1: And uh, she's hiding somewhere in she here. She
0: doesn't want you to defer yeah, any questions to her? Is that the y- problem? She is
1: asked it? me to not defer to her. She actually used those words. Don't <laughs> defer any questions to me this morning, please. <laughs> <laughs> she did say please, she did. but she's hiding someplace in here. So yeah, there um, she is.
0: Yeah, okay, there she is. Okay, but we can't ask her any. But I could ask her a question. You can
1: ask her individual questions later. Okay. okay. She'd love to go out to lunch with you. No, I'm joking. So
0: uh, uh, Keith, told us a little bit about your bio. So we don't need to repeat that. But yeah. I was very much interested in what you like to putter with in the
1: shop. Um, I'm trying to fix things in the house but puttering means maybe it gets <laughs> fixed, and maybe it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on do you have enough screws or bolts or nuts or you know duct tape, that have kind of thing. Have you heard of Home Depot? I have heard of Home <laughs> Depot. I was just at <laughs> Lowe's yesterday picking up a few things.
0: Okay, so okay, yeah. so that's, so you're a handyman.
1: Uh, I do, I worked on the maintenance staff at Messiah College. When I graduated from there, I worked there for three years. They had the Grantham Water Company, so I ran okay. a little public utility for them. Wow. And then I did uh, maintenance work for them too. Yeah. Okay,
0: good. Yeah. And tell us a little bit more about your children. Like uh, we heard there's three of them and a grandchild. Yeah. So where are they and what are they yeah. doing?
1: Yeah, Josh is our oldest, and Josh is married and lives in Erie, Pennsylvania. Went to Grove City College. And um, he and his wife love Erie. They live in Erie, and he's a neurologist with UPMC Hammett Hospital.
0: A neurologist, that's another new word here. Yeah. Has something to do with
1: nerves, nerve, neuro system. Oh. So, if I get to nervous you get interviewing nervous, his you just dad, talk he could help me with that. <laughs> just talk to Josh, he'll help you not be nervous. Okay. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh so, he's married to Karen. She is a library studies person. So, mm-hmm. she has her master's degree in teaching technology and is head of the library for Fairview School District. And they have a little guy named Ezekiel mm. who is absolutely. The brightest, most beautiful, beautiful little guy in the world. Mm. And uh, yeah, he's it. Sounds like grandpa <laughs> talking. <laughs> he's it. And uh, so then Hannah uh, is our middle child. Hannah lives in Marina, California. Mm-hmm. Got to visit her last week out in Marina. I was doing right. some coaching okay. in the area, so I got to stay with her for a couple of days. Is she near a beach? She is. She's a mile from the beach in Marina. And you like beaches? I like beaches. So we took her dog, Oni down there the first night and threw frisbee and ball with him, and he loves to run in the ocean. Okay. So Oni had a great time for about two hours <laughs> <Wonderful>. <laughs> running. And I was just trying to get over some jet lag and stay awake so I could get recalibrated for the week. So it worked. Oni helped me out. Great. Yeah. Great. And, um, and she has a couple of micro-businesses and stuff that she runs out there. Wow. She went to Penn State and uh, has a degree in business. And then Caleb's our youngest. He lives in Colorado. He went to Western Colorado State University.
0: Now, that's an interesting one. Carl Nita's son, Caleb, also lives in Colorado. He lives in, he
1: lives in Colorado Springs, yeah. right? Yeah. Do they know each other? I you don't think so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think there might be a couple other folks in Colorado. Um, okay. But he lives in Salida, Colorado, okay. Okay. which is a Spanish word for exit. I don't know why it's called exit, but it is. Uh, that's where he lives and he's a software guy he writes software and things like that okay works with hospital medical equipment and all the software that runs them
0: great great well I think we need to hustle on with some other questions here I shouldn't monopolize the conversation (laughs) Uh, I think Jay um, Garber who um, is our pastor development team chairperson uh, has a question or two that he would like to ask we have a few questions planted in the audience here with a uh, few of our team members. So we'll call on those and um, uh, move through those, and then, and then we'll open it up to anybody else who has questions that you want to ask. So, Jay, if you would forward field your questions, I think these are getting more to the substance of what we're uh, talking All about right. here today.
1: Joel, just a quick question on your previous transitional experiences. What you've learned from them, uh, if you have any stories or experiences you'd like to share from your previous four transitional pastorships. And then maybe after that, uh, what would those people say about you? (laughs) (laughs) Thank God and Greyhound, he's gone. Um, (laughs) Something like that. Um, I think one of the things I learned is that most churches – Uh, are doing better than they think and most churches are not doing as well as they think in some areas as far, especially when it comes to mission. Uh, A lot of our churches have gotten off of mission and I've worked with um, three Alliance churches and one Free Will Baptist Church in in doing those uh, transitional. Um, So they're doing a lot better in some areas and they get kind of nervous and it's like, no, you're doing great in that, but that's just kind of, take some of that energy more toward mission and reaching out for Jesus Christ to the community around you and doing that in a prayerful way. Because so many times we take that, I see that with churches too, that they think it's their job to get someone to come to Christ. You know, So they have this manipulative monologue that they go into or they just get quiet because they don't know what to say and they don't realize Jesus didn't do any of that and the Holy Spirit works, right? Every one of us came to Christ and we would go, Wow, we have a Holy Spirit story, amen? Mm -hmm. If you've come to Christ, if you're in this room today, you have a story of uh, I was, this was happening and then I came to Jesus and I can't explain it because something supernatural happened and I was wooed into the kingdom, right? So um, yeah, so I've discovered that about churches, Jay, that um, yeah, doing a little better in some areas than we give ourselves credit for and in some areas where we get a little shy, we need to just push into a little bit more and trust Jesus And his spirit to help us uh, with those things also i found that the vast majority of uh, leadership in churches uh embrace something new the leaders are usually engaging a bit in, in more to some extent in their spiritual practices and so they're like hey maybe god's gonna do something new here at our church And they may be a little bit more in the forefront of accepting change and transition. You heard it from your bishop this morning. Good job, Bishop. Thank you for setting me up so well. (laughs) I appreciate that. No, I'm just working with you, but that was a great message this morning about, you know, fear not. Uh, The Father's given you the kingdom. It's an upside-down kingdom. looks different than the rest of these kingdoms of the world, but he's given you the kingdom, so you don't have to worry about that. Uh, What did people say about me, or what did they say about me? Uh, Depends on who you would select out (laughs) of the group. (laughs) Which, of course, when we do references, we always ask for a positive reference, right? I never ask for someone to give me a reference. I always say, will you give me a positive reference? And if they say no, then I don't use them on my (laughs) list of references. I learned that. That's why
0: everything sounded so good. That's why everything sounded so
1: good (laughs) (laughs) under references. Uh, I think they would say Joel, um, he enjoyed us. He got to know us and enjoyed us because I do enjoy people. Um, That Joel helped us laugh at ourselves a little bit, you know, like not take ourselves too seriously. But Joel helped us take God more seriously Mm. and uh, what his uh, perspectives are. And Joel helped us like every church I've done some sort of an assessment with them which I just call a questionnaire survey. It's an awareness tool. Mm -hmm. How aware are we as a congregation of of ourselves and and what God would have for us in the next step? So Joel helped us out with that awareness tool. So that's an interesting
0: uh, comment there. You've done some assessments. So we've done what they call natural church development Mm -hmm. uh, four times in Mm -hmm. the last, I think, 15, 20 years. Do you have something similar to that that you might introduce to the congregation?
1: Yeah, um, I do, and it's based on those same, if you've done NCD, Christian Schwartz put that together, a good German fella, mm-hmm. and then we translated it into English. And um, there's nine different areas of church health in NCD. Um, uh, uh, the tool that I use is very similar and that it has the same nine areas in it. Uh, most of the tools and assessments will have those nine areas because they came out of Acts, really the mm-hmm. book of Acts when you le- read those nine areas of church health. And, um, so, uh, I do something called peak. It's preparing to expect an advance of the kingdom. And, uh, so it takes you through nine different areas uh, of survey does of church health, and the congregation takes it and the leadership takes the same Mm -hmm. survey. Mm -hmm. And then it charts and graphs. How is the congregation experiencing their Christian life in those nine areas? So it's not always all the questions aren't germane to the church. It might just ask you questions about your own spiritual practices or how often you meet with Jesus or pray or meet in a small group with someone else or believers or pray with them or get into their home and have a meal, that kind of thing. And um, but it's really most of the questions are based on how are you experiencing your Christian life in the context of your church or just in your personal life or your community? Okay, and then and ask the leaders those same questions and then we actually we have what's called an aggregate score where it shows all those both those groups together Mm. in the nine different areas, how they doing. But then the more interesting one is where it overlays the two different scores. Here's the score of the congregation in those nine areas and here's the score of the leadership. And you'll see a lot of good tracking in a lot of areas, but then you'll see some gaps. You'll see maybe two, three gaps. Uh, sometimes four gaps in how they're experiencing the church, and that's where you want to do a little bit of prayerful investigation. Why is that? Why is it that the that the um, congregation is ex- experiencing perhaps uh, personal spiritual connection at a higher level than the leadership are, or mm-hmm. the leadership a little harder on themselves, or or whatever, or vice versa, and then. Um, We follow up by doing um, seven to eight coaching sessions with your peak. We'd pull together a leadership team of your peak, which would be made up of um, your lay ministry leaders, any staff that you have, and anybody else that you'd want to appoint that you think is pretty important for them to be in there. And I've done anywhere between eight to one church in New Jersey. I had 28 people on that team. And uh, so uh, we do activities, and we spend those uh, months going back through not only your scores, but then we go back through your expectations of God, your story. I understand you guys have writing out it. Right, out we're your working story. on the history. Yeah. Uh, yeah, So your story is very important. Uh, the four chapters of your story: when when you started, when you were growing, when you had a crisis, what's your current climate. So those four chapters of your story. Everyone's story is very. Intriguing and interesting, isn't it? It was Maya Angelou said, there is no greater sorrow than bearing an untold story inside of you. Mm. So you don't want to hold your story inside. It needs to come out. And the story of Mount Joy Mennonite Church needs to come out, not just for the church, but for the community and for many The 250 or so other churches in the conference could Mm -hmm. really benefit Mm -hmm. from reading the story of Jesus and his love through this church family for over 200 years. Um, So we do those coaching sessions, and um, I also would encourage the church, and it's really up to your church leadership, to have a couple of summits. So as we're going through those coaching sessions, then that team, I, I would coach them to report back to you and have a question and answer like this, like we're we're so far through those sessions. What are we learning? What questions do we have? That kind of thing.
0: So you anticipate some more times together like this over the next 15 months. I would welcome it. Okay, I would welcome it, yeah. Uh, So a little bit more, uh, Jeremy I understand has a question uh, a bit more about some things that you intend to do. So go ahead, Jeremy. Yeah. I do. I be
1: be nice to me, Jeremy. I will always we have be to nice work to together. You.
0: I promise. You know what? We said that we don't have that you don't have to be nice to us. We That's when we true. introduced this <laughs> idea about an interim pastor that you won't be the lead pastor going uh-huh. forth. Yeah. So so you don't have to be maybe as nice or as kind. <laughs> but we You don't have to be nice, but you do need to be kind. Okay.
1: (laughs) I thought it was a really interesting process coming uh, through the transition team and identifying people to talk to about possibly doing this work. And so, one of the questions that I came away from that with, and that I'll pose to you, is interim pastoring, transitional pastoring, seems like a really big job in a really small space of time. And so, where do you? start what is the first thing that you think that we as a people should pay attention to and where do you start the work with us um yeah it's a good question it it, and that's exactly right you have a small amount of time i was a church planter twice um in new york and in pennsylvania so i like doing a lot in a small period of time (laughs) church planters (laughs) like a challenge they like that challenging kind of thing. And though I'm a very kind of a layback personality and I like to get to know people, I enjoyed just talking with uh, folks this morning in the Hershey's, I believe it was, and about his tennis court and all these kind of things this morning. We had a great time talking together about some sports and so forth. Yeah, there you are. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, but um, just starting, um, I do start by doing a lot of listening and I do start by teaching This thing that I learned from a gentleman named uh, Pete Grigg, who is a Brit, and he's written a great couple of books. One of them is called um, just how to hear God's voice, how to listen to God. The other one is called how to pray. And he has this um, just simple prayer pattern. It's called um, pause, read and reflect, ask God a question, and then yield to his presence, P-R-A-Y. So one of the first things I'll do with you is teach you P-R-A-Y, and we will do P-R-A-Y. We will (laughs) stop in the middle of services and the middle of different things and say, you know what, Um, I think we just need to pause. You know, it's counterintuitive to kind of pause when you feel like, hey, let's move forward, let's go do something, you know? Um, But even great sports teams, what they do is when they're on the brink of scoring that touchdown or that winning goal or whatever it is, they pause. They usually what? Timeout. They take a timeout. They call the play. They talk about what's going on. And then they're able to actually execute the play a lot better once they've paused and slowed down and caught their breath a little bit. And they're together on what they're doing. So I think God's kingdom same way. Acts chapter 13, they had to pause. You see them pausing, you know before they go into the promised land, you see them pausing, and God has them in Joshua chapter five, pause, have this big pause. So pause won't, we'll keep pausing. It won't be we pause at the beginning, we'll keep doing that, but that's one of the first things I think that pausing would be really helpful to know, because sometimes people go, aren't you putting a search committee together? It's like the second week I'm there. You know, aren't you putting a search committee together, and do we have any candidates yet? You know, (laughs) we gotta keep rolling here. This is nice. And uh, I'll go. Let's just pause for a moment. Okay, we'll get we'll get there. We'll get there.
0: Okay. Um, I asked Jen to take care of a couple questions for us, and then I think we'll be open for some others. But go ahead, Jen. Yeah. All right. Um.
2: Hello again. Um, So uh, two questions based on your leadership. Uh, First of all, what is your leadership style? Like you alluded to some of that as you were speaking. Um, And then how can we as a congregation support you in your leadership?
1: Um, Yeah, I'd say my leadership style is I'm more of a collaborative type of leader when it comes to designing where we're going to the design process and where we're headed and strategy. And but then from then on, I'm much more of a cooperative leader. In other words, I want everyone to cooperate, do their job. And I don't want to redesign, keep redesigning it forever. And feel like we're changing, like, I don't mind adjusting it. But if we're in changing in principle, what we're doing, there has to be a good reason. I'm, o- I'm, I'm good with doing it if there's a good reason. But I want to move forward. I don't want to just collaborate forever, and never move forward. Um, so that's a little bit of my background. In that, I'm very relational, but there's got to be a goal to what we're doing. And why has God given us these relationships? To, um, uh, and your vision statement says it well. It's so He's given us these relationships so that we can enjoy Him better, right? Mm-hmm. If I get to know you better and you have a different perspective on the Lord than I do, I enjoy Him more through you by learning from you and what you have to offer. Right. And then we learn how to love one another. Uh, And uh, that's how all men know we're disciples. If we truly have that agape love for one another and uh, and then we can bless the world around us, you know, uh, with that. So that's kind of my style is that um, uh, how you can support me. I do believe very specifically praying for me and then asking me from time to time, what exactly do you want prayer for this week? or during the season or whatever, I usually will have in my mind what I need prayer for. And, and I'll be honest about it. Sometimes it might be something with my kids or, or it might be just, you know, hey, I'm not exercising enough or I'm like eating bad, you know, you guys gave me way too many whoopie pies and pies and, you know. Uh, so, um, so sometimes it can be practical like that. Sometimes it can be like, hey, I'm, my spiritual practices are slipping. I need that once. I do Sabbath once a week, and I need that Sabbath time. Can you just pray for me that the Lord will tap my shoulder every Friday morning so I can stop, rest, delight, and reflect this week? Because I need that. Mm -hmm. So please pray for me. (laughs) I need it. Thank
0: you. You talked about food. Um, What what kind of food do you like?
1: It's what I don't like. Just liver and onions I don't like. (laughs) My mother made me eat that, and even though she's in glory right now, I still hold it against her. (laughs) Uh, So I think Mitzi
0: has a question.
1: Oh, (laughs) There's really, I don't know of anything else that I don't eat, right babe? I'm looking back at my wife. I'm not deferring the question to you, I'm just asking for your input now.
0: Uh, yeah. What what do you what kind of food do you like, Debbie?
1: <laughs> Just no liver and onions. She likes creamy French foods. She really is a oh. sucker for like a creamy white sauce on something. Yeah, I'm like more of a dark gravy guy, but yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, so we've got two mics. J- Jeremy has a mic over on that side. Maybe Jen. Oh, you go over here. Okay. So Jen, say so we're happy to hear entertain some questions from um, folks here. So what of you what would you like to know about Joe or about what he does or his more of his background over here? We have a question. <clears throat> Chanel? We good. There we go. Joel, I very much enjoyed getting to know a little bit of you during the interview process, and I'm excited for the next few stages, as I'm sure our church is, but I would love to know, what are you most looking forward to with this transition, and what are you most nervous about or reluctant about?
1: Uh, yeah. What I'm looking most forward to, I'll just be honest, I love working with staff, and I love working with lay leaders. So I like working with leadership, and I like helping people make the transition between the change. It's usually not the change that we don't like. Like once we get to the change, we're like, this is excellent. Why didn't we paint the garage before? Why didn't we get a new dog and get rid of that old dog a long time ago? (laughs) That old dog was a pain. This new dog is delicious. It's just great to have around, right? Uh, But it's the transition. It's going through that process. And I like helping people walk through that process. I really like doing that. Uh, I think that my biggest, um, maybe challenge or, or it's just, I'm getting to know everybody again. You know, I get to know everybody. I've been, uh, got to know, uh, four other congregations. I work with coaching. I work with some other churches doing some coaching. I work with doing an equipping thing for about 40 pastors nationally with the Christian missionary Alliance. It's remembering names, and people are important to me, and I really feel bad when I forget your name. So please just forgive me, and tell me your name again. <laughs> and don't judge me, because I forgot your name. Um, I I do, I do really value people, and it is that kind of like, oh, I forgot, or I let you down, or I made you not feel valued, because I forgot your name, or I forgot part of your story. Um, that makes me a little nervous.
0: So, yeah. when I see you on Sunday morning, I should say, Hello, Joel. I'm Jerry Keener. I yes, if
1: you can s- remind me who yes, you are, yes, Jerry. That, I think you and work. I spent enough time together already. We probably can. Yeah, we interested. can probably
0: remember each other, but maybe Jonathan would say, You know, we met yes. once. Yeah, my, my name's still Jonathan yeah. Borman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be great. And if Jonathan and I had a dirty chai coffee, we could remember each other's name. Then you could
0: remember each other's name. Yeah. He likes dirty chai coffee. Yeah. yeah. I introduced yeah. Jerry to
1: dirty chai. It was pretty good, wasn't it?
0: It was good, yeah. yeah. It was it was all right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, we're supposed to be honest and honorable. Well, it was good. That was there honorable. I'm not sure that but, was honorable. But I
0: didn't <laughs> say it was the supreme end of True. all coffees True. because that would have to be in Vietnam. Yeah. What would it be with a very strong coffee that is about this much in your glass with about this much sweetened condensed milk uh-huh. and it's so rich. You can hardly drink it,
1: but and what's it, it called?
0: Is, it's it's coffee. sữa Okay. ice coffee or cold okay. coffee, but it's Vietnamese coffee with sweetened condensed milk and it is not to die for. But to fly. To the
1: <laughs> well, let's go down to the copper cup and see if they'll make us. some. They that. don't have it. They we have to have go it. to another. Okay. We have to go to Vietnamese okay. restaurant. All right. We'll, we'll get there. OK.
0: Yeah. OK. We got one back here. <laughs> is is uh, Joe, uh, just talking with you a little bit uh, out in the lobby and with Deb. I like you. So uh, I'll say that much. But uh, my question is, and maybe jury can fit in, how how. You're sitting down with two fine pastors here. Are you gonna be leading the discussion? How, how's it, in other words, uh, Carl is an administrator. How are you gonna do that with our two pastors? And also, will we hear you up front? And maybe how often, or isn't that decided yet?
1: This is a good question. So I'll probably be preaching at least twice a month, sometimes three times a month. But also working the other pastors into the rotation and any um, suitable folks from the congregation that are good communicators. uh, I'd like to have them uh, serve on the team, too. Um, And I will be serving as a lead pastor. So I'll be fulfilling the job description of your lead pastor and also of the transitional pastor, which has some additions to that for the process. Um, I will not I have met Carl. I know both of his brothers. He's the last Landis brother that I met, and then I met his parents this morning. So we're all rounded out, I can die now. <laughs> I've met the Landis family, I can die. Um, but Carl, just from meeting with him one time, we met with him for what, about two hours or so, and uh, just watching him, I thought, oh boy, he is an administrator par excellence. I am not, okay, I am not. An administrator par excellence I can do some organization I try to do enough effective organization to do that but I'm more of a communicator communicator and change agent helper and facilitator I do a lot of facilitating so I do a lot of listening and I'll do a lot of making you in some ways helping you listen to one another Um, to draw out what's the Lord saying to you cumulatively, you know so uh, yeah Those are good questions. And nobody seeded you with those questions? You just came up with those on your own? Nobody planted those questions in you? There you go. Very good. Thanks.
0: So um, just a comment about that. We, We thought about Carl's gifting and so forth, being both a good pastor and a good administrator. And as a transition team in our discernment, we felt that it's not an administrator that we really need right now we have a very well organized church we have an excellent administrative assistant uh... and we have other persons in in the community who can do the administrative work what we need is a person who can see beyond where we are and lead us into a new direction more more apostolic more discerning and and guiding and so that's that's where we are and we're just so delighted because we think you're the right person for that. (laughs) Okay.
1: All right. Um, Joel, my name is Tony and, um, we met once out there, right? But I'll just remind you. So, um, so anyhow, you mentioned the importance of mission in the church. How would you define or what do you think mission looks like in a, in a church that's doing it well? Um, I think a church and or a mission is doing well, is um, probably exemplified by Jesus in his ministry, although the church wasn't quite birthed yet, was it? It was like in, in prenatal in Jesus, right? Um, but Jesus was always on mission, so he was always he was saying things and he was doing things like, um, "The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost." The Son of Man did not come to to ser- to be served but to serve and to gi- and to give his life as a ransom for many so how did he serve by giving his life as a ransom for many the atoning work of the cross on the behalf of mankind for all time thank you jesus <laughs> right but as he was on mission he was very present with people wasn't he so sometimes we can get all on mission and we're not very present with the people that we're on mission with or the people we're on mission to You know so jesus is very present so he's he's on mission as he's on mission he's very present in that he's making disciples he's making a community of people who are on mission together and then out of those disciples he's kind of calling out and tapping shoulders and inviting in leaders in there so i would say a church that is healthy in mission is they're on mission together as they're on mission, they're making disciples. As they're on mission, they're multiplying leaders because they're doing it the Jesus way. And um, so that's, I just see a lot of health in that. Um, and uh, uh, so that's kind of a short, terse answer to a really good question, Tony. And thanks for telling me who you are again. That helped.
0: Okay, <laughs> we have one over here. <coughs> well, just to... Uh First
1: time we chatted together, I'm impressed. I'm like Luke with chatting with you. But I have a question for you and probably two part. First of all, what led you into being an interim pastor for uh, 15 months or two years? And did you ever get to the place, second question, that you wished you could have stayed and become the pastor of that church? Um, That's a great, those are two great questions. Wow. Um, So, uh, you know, when I, when I left the church that I had founded, and I was there for 18 years, and that was a hard transition. That was a hard change for me. Big hard change for me. I sold uh, automobiles for Toyota for a while during that change. Robbie Rahal, they were very gracious to me and uh, letting me work with them, be trained with them. So I did that. I started to do some coaching, I started my own coaching. Because I always enjoyed coaching and coaching pastors and Christian workers and executives and people in the marketplace too, and um, but I I thought I was talking to a uh, um, gentleman at the time, and some of you might have read some of his books. I didn't know him that well, but he gave me his ear, and he uh, actually served as the second reader on my dissertation. His name's Pete Scazzaro, and he's written some books on emotionally healthy church and people and stuff like that. So. I was talking to Pete and I said, What do you think I would be good at doing? And I was doing, uh, Pete was training me in some of this emotionally healthy stuff. And he said, I think you would be a really good transitional pastor. And if you're going to do that, you should talk to my friend Dave Miles. Like, okay, who's Dave Miles? So he said, Oh, Dave Dave lives in Huntington, Long Island, and he'll be here at this next conference. I can seat you guys together, talk to. So I got to meet Dave and started talking to him and took their training. Dave leads uh, a thing called Vital Church Ministries, helping churches in transition and crisis. And they've been doing it for him and his group of guys for like 35 years. So they know what they're doing all across the United States. have been doing this and now in Europe. They have another arm in Europe and, uh, and mostly in uh, Ireland, Scotland. But um, I got the training and I did, I mean, they actually really evaluate too. They do this thing called the grip Berkman assessment of you, which is a long assessment, which by the end you feel like I'm insane. I'm just an insane person and no one should hire me to do anything. Because <laughs> it takes a because you do all these inventories and after a while you're like, I'm inventoried out, you know? And, um, but in that, there was some discernment about, yeah, maybe this is a calling for me. And um, I had often, not often, but a few people had told me, hey, you have a little bit more of an apostolic gifting. And so staying in one local church might not work for you long term. might not work for the church long term. You may be working with different churches. I never thought it would be this way. I never thought it would be going from church to church to church. I just thought more maybe be some other direction or whatever. So I didn't really plan that. Um, and what was your second question? Cause it was really good. I have to say no, I have to say no. I feel very called to do what I'm doing. And I've told people this because the first church I, I was at was Bedford community church in Bedford Hills, New York. And my friend, um, Kelvin Walker, was the pastor there before me, and he became the district superintendent of the Metropolitan District of the Alliance. And the Alliance is short for the Christian and Missionary Alliance. If you've never heard about us, folks, I can tell you boring stuff about us for eons. Um, But um, Kelvin left, and then I went in there. And about after six months, um, Mr. Rodriguez, who was the chairman of the board, uh, took me out to a really nice dinner and said, why won't you become our pastor? We just want to hire you to be our pastor. And I, I told him, it's because it's not in my contract and it's not in my calling. So I've contracted with you, but in good faith that I, I would not pursue that. And it's not in my calling in that I'm called to do this kind of apostolic kind of ministry. Where I have to move on, and um, but hopefully, I really helped you do well, get more grounded, and you and I told him you don't want someone who's not called here to be your pastor. That is like the worst thing to happen for the pastor in the church. Amen. Amen. Have you ever been someplace where uh, I don't know about this? So you want the called pastor, and you, the congregation needs to be called. You can either hire a new pastor or you can call one, Mm -hmm. and you can be called to him or her. Amen. There's a difference. So, yeah, you guys are asking really good questions. We have
0: another one here. I do.
1: I'm Jason. Haven't had the chance to meet yet, and I'm not sure we have time for a conversation. Did you say Jason? Yes, Jason. Jason. Okay, you have to say that again the next time. Yes, sir. I'll put that in the in the intro. Um, a question that, that comes to my mind and a question that I was given, I think the question given uh, asks the question, well, uh, the Mennonite tradition and culture is deeply rooted in, in the generations of our church body. Uh, do you have a plan to focus on continuing to pass this to our children and youth and structure, teachings, and song, and then maybe even uh, elaborate more on what your understanding is of the Mennonite and Anabaptist tradition uh, coming from your uh, CMA background? Yeah. That's a good question, too. Um, your bishop has been very helpful uh, at helping me with that and understanding your profession of faith. And, and so has Jerry. Um,
0: yeah, when I first met Joel, I asked him what he understood about Anabaptism and Mennonite. And he said nothing. He said, I know nothing. And actually, well, you can continue and then I will make a recap yeah so, so I, yeah.
1: yeah, I meant I knew nothing in that I was kind of like Schultz from Hogan's heroes. You know I knew no, so I'm not <laughs> responsible for anything, right? <laughs> um, but I, my, my, one of my roommates in college, Jeff Good, was from a Mennonite family up in Canton, Pennsylvania. His dad was a charismatic Mennonite minister, Melvin, um, and his son Claire. His brother, Claire, serves with the Mennonite Central Committee. So I knew I knew a lot of folks that are Mennonite, and I grew up in Lewistown, so I grew up right near Belleville and went to the auction every Wednesday with my dad and bought, bought everything from cattle to all kinds of stuff with my dad um, over the years. And, so, and then my dad had friends who he worked with uh, who were uh, Mennonite, and one of our best friends was my dad's best friend was Ray French, who owned the Friendship Bookstore in Lewistown, and Ray is Mennonite, and... Uh, so, so we went to the friendship bookstore every. But I didn't know a lot about Mennonite background. You know, I knew that there was different stripes of Mennonites. Like I never thought, oh, there's like I knew there w- there were black bumper Mennonites. You know, you know, you know. So I did not paint over all the chrome on my Honda Accord before <laughs> I came down. So I knew there were different people, right? Um, but I didn't really know that much about it. And I knew a little bit about Lee and I knew about Menno Simons a bit from going to Messiah College and some of the courses that I took there. Uh, But, you know, I didn't grow up, uh, you know, I grew up Anabaptist in that. We baptize adult believers in the Alliance. We don't uh, christen children or or baptize children and and knew a bit of that and knew a bit of the rich history of the Anabaptist church, but didn't know a lot of it and didn't know much about the 23, 24 uh, Confessions of Faith.
0: Yeah, so you read the Confession of Faith. What did you think of that and how how does that? line up with your own theological orientation.
1: Yeah, I, I edited it. Um, no. <laughs> don't we? Come on, we all edit theology, don't we? Um, no, uh, I, Debbie and I both looked over it, and she was like, well, I just think maybe we just fit there. Maybe that just works for us. Um, there's nothing in your statement of faith that isn't orthodox, mm-hmm. number one. There's nothing that's like, oh, this is a revelation outside of the revelation of the word of God, the spirit of God and Jesus Christ, the living word of God. Um, so in uh, I found that it was m- it's maybe a bit more detailed than other statement of faith. Like the alliance, I think, has 11 or 12 statements mm-hmm. um, because you separate out like baptism, the Lord's Supper as each an individual statement where they clump them together. Mm-hmm. They clump the ordinances or sacraments together. So. I didn't really find it that different or difficult. I felt that the background of it was very interesting in the uh, non combative background. Mm -hmm. And I do think that um, the Mennonite movement, Mennonite church in America, at least, is a lot further ahead on justice and mercy issues than most other evangelical organizations. Mm -hmm. Given your background, I think you're way ahead. And like for instance, the Alliance is just almost starting to work on that stuff, mm-hmm. although we've had camera services for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, we in the U.S. have not been really um, justice and mercy people in right. a lot of ways. Right. So you're way ahead on that stuff. Yeah.
0: I think you also had a comment about the, I don't know if there was a section on the kingdom of God in the statement of faith, but you th- you found oh, yeah. that to be rather unique yeah. in a statement of faith.
1: Yeah, I love kingdom theology. Um, George George Ladd's book, "The Gospel of the Kingdom," is one of my favorite books. Um, that small volume, um, just res- when I remember going, going to a seminary and reading that for the first time, I was like, "Oh, that's who I am. I'm a kingdom theologian." You know, I'm not a great theologian, by the way, uh, but. Uh, when it comes to theology, I really the God- so like what Keith was preaching on this morning, the kingdom is bigger I mean we're here now, right we're the church for a while, right we're the manifold wisdom of God on the earth, according to ephesians, right but it's just for a while. the kingdom's eternal the kingdom's what we're really headed toward, and what we're working on and what we're a manifestation of uh, we're not the end all, amen question back here. <clears throat> uh, hi, hi, Joel. My name's Marshall, and we've never met. Um, my question, and I think I like you. I'm, I'm, I'm not on the fence, but I think I like you. Um, <laughs> my question is for you and Deb, uh, where is home? Yeah, we live in Mechanicsburg. Uh, if you're familiar with um, Creekview Road off of 581, we live right off Creekview Road, right behind Target and Wegmans, right on the Creek. Our house runs right down to the creek. It's really pretty there. So, yeah. So it takes about, what, 30, 35 minutes this morning to get here, something like that, depending on how obstinate Harrisburg's being with their traffic patterns.
0: We have a question here. Um, What is your ideal sandwich?
1: (laughs) Have you ever heard of Permanti Brothers? (laughs) That's pretty much it with extra hot sauce on. Okay, some extra hot sauce. But I don't I like the is it chulata? Chulata hot sauce? Cholula. The Cholula is the brand I prefer on that. But yeah. But it's gotta be a Permanic Burger sandwich from Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh. At a Pittsburgh Steeler game. I think so. they're better. <laughs> they're better sandwiches out there than the like I'm serious. They're just really good.
0: Okay, one well back. Uh, good
1: morning. My name is uh, Brad Wagner. I'm Natalie's husband. I believe you met Natalie, so oh, Natalie told me I will like you, so I like you. Uh, <laughs> two two quick questions. You know, you when you look across the, our congregation here, there's a lot of demographics. So I'm curious, from your uh, experience, how have you sort of managed change mm-hmm. in a congregation that's you know very diverse demographically? And then uh, personally. Uh, what do you and debbie enjoy doing as a couple um change uh, one thing with demographic that i've noticed like you can't presuppose is it brad brad you can't presuppose that because someone's in a certain demographic or a certain even uh, ethnic background that they think or feel a certain thing about that change that's one thing I've learned cuz I would jump to conclusions earlier. Oh, they're, you know, oh, they're going to have a hard time with this change cuz they're a little bit older or they're going or they're from a culture where that, you know, they don't accept change as well. They're Asian or whatever, they're not, And it would be untrue. Like I had one of the elders in one of the churches Tong Vo, and he was like, I'm like, Tong wants to change everything this week. <laughs> you know? And you wouldn't know it from so you so the other thing is, yes, be considerate but ask is this difficult for you is this a challenge for you is this an excitement for you to make this change what about this change or this time of ambivalence um works for you and doesn't work for you so um yeah consideration Listen, i think we all want to be considered we want to be listened to and we want to be loved right So I think if we do that, it's not always that I'm trying to get everyone on the same page, but I'm trying to get everyone to agree with Jesus and hear his voice together in as much as possible. Uh, That's very important for me. Um, What did Debbie and I like to do? Well, we do like to do Rails to Trails. I can tell you we haven't done much of it this summer But I did get a really nice e-bike last year, and I can't wait to take my e-bike out. I brought my old war horse, Raleigh, down here. It's on the back of my car. I'm going to park it here, and I'll ride the old Raleigh around this area. But it doesn't have any assist. Once you have assist and you're over 60, you're like, yes, assist. (laughs) (laughs) Why didn't someone assist me before this? (laughs) You know, so we do like doing that, and we love going to see – I, um, I won't brag too much about Ezekiel. Yeah, I will. Um, but we love going to see Ezekiel. We love our kids. Uh, we got to fly and see all three of them this summer, and then and then after that do a summer vacation at the beach with them, and it was delightful. We like being with our family. Yeah.
0: One more, and then I think we'll close it with that one. So.
2: Hello, my name is Bonnie. How old is Ezekiel?
1: ezekiel's what 16 months 17 months yeah okay he's a genius
2: no it wasn't my question he's a
1: genius he knows where his toes are he knows where his ears are (laughs) i get it he knows where your eyes are and my eyes he knows they're not (laughs) yours and he, he got it all figured out
2: proud of him already this is more of a personal type question for those of us who are maybe oriented towards welcoming you into different aspects of our congregation. So I would just like to know ahead of time how you and Debbie would be feeling, um, what's your comfort level, what's your desire as far as being invited home for a meal or welcoming you to a small group for a a nine week session like we have them or sewing circle if that's your interest. Just wanted to know how much prayer meeting do we ask you or expect you to be a part of congregation outside of the normal staff meeting and lay leader meetings?
1: I think that's a really good question. Um, the I think if we lived in this community, we would probably be more open to doing communal things with you more often. Um, but please don't not invite us just because you think, oh, he said stand off the first day we were there. He said back off. He's just doing this, this, and this. Um, I like connecting. I will be staying down here in the, for instance, the evenings that we have, like m- evening meetings, I'll probably try to come down a little bit later in the morning if I can. Some days I won't be able to do that. So I'll be down here all three periods of the day, right? You know, I try to work two thirds and be off a third. That's just kind of my rule of thumb. But when I'm not, I'm here, um, of course I'd love to come to your house for dinner. What are we having? Um, and, <laughs> no. But so um, if I'm down here, but I think not being here and having to drive, you know, a half an hour to 45 minutes, you know, all that kind of thing. Also, I don't know that I could commit myself to a nine to 12 week curriculum, but I might be able to come for two or three weeks or whatever, or come in for one session and just be there. I, I can just sit in, too. I don't mind just sitting in. Like, I don't have to be the sit in focus of the group. But those are good questions. So I'm not sure I answered that totally well for you. Yeah. You. Yeah. You to That's very good. To know that. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you. By Thank the way, out of the four of the I served at, no one else has ever asked me that question that says something about your congregation Hmm. most of them score low when they do the peak thing on having each other into their homes Hmm. and loving and creating loving community so it says something about you guys
0: we are at the end of our time this has been rich i've been enriched by this interaction thank you for the questions thank you for your candid Uh, responses and the humor in that at the same time Um, it always helps to take things when there's a little sugar in the spoon so appreciate that so um, let's just close this out I'll share a prayer blessing for our week and your first week here and Mm -hmm. so we just want to make sure you feel welcomed Mm and that uh, we do whatever we can to support you in your leadership among us. So we thank you, Lord, for this time together. We thank you for your working through the board and the transition team to discern uh, that Joel will be with us these next months, year and a half or so. And I thank you for this opportunity to start to get acquainted. And we look forward to what you will do among us and through us in these next uh, months this next season thank you for knowing that you are sovereign and you are among us and you are guiding us and thank you for bringing Joel into our presence and with that with your sovereignty we are not afraid while we may have some questions we do not fear because you are with us so we thank you and pray your blessing on us as we Go forth from here to serve in your kingdom and to uh, share your love with others. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, thank you. And. Um,